Hey, Border Fuel listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you why we chose to host Border Fuel Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Two, there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Lastly, download the Anchor app for free or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Thanks for listening to the Border Fuel Podcast. Now, let's start the show. Chiefs Kingdom. So I'm sitting around Friday night, minding my own business, having a few drinks, looked out at my phone for the first time in quite some time, and long story short, I was invited to go to a Chiefs game. You know who else was at this Chiefs game that I would eventually go to? My guy, Cody Bell, who is on here with the uh, podcast with me. Uh, Cody, what was your initial reaction upon us purchasing tickets from practice squad and XFL legend Jordan Tayamu. It was uh, pretty cool. Something that, you know, we'll probably never experience again. I was a little nervous, actually, to go to the game just because I didn't know if I want to experience Arrowhead at, you know, 20% capacity or whatever it was. But it ended up being a really fun game, actually a really good game, competitive game, which I wasn't expecting. And another Wednesday. We're talking about a Chiefs W. It's another Wednesday, and it's another Chiefs W. I rolled up to the Bell residence at about 8 o'clock in the morning after having to leave my place of residence at about 4.30 in the morning. It was an overall very long day, but we got out to the stadium. We talked the talk. We walked the walk in the parking lot, and we got into the game, and the Carolina Panthers immediately started to make me think that this was a fucking bad decision. <laughs> Why'd they make you think that, Caleb? Oh, well, they go out, score an opening drive touchdown. They convert on like three third downs. Um, we go out, move the ball a little bit. You know, things weren't quite clicking early. Kick a field goal. Carolina goes down and scores again. We're down 14 to three and I said oh man we might be in some trouble at this point because Teddy Bridgewater went full number one we couldn't stop the run that doesn't bother me because we see the Chiefs did never stop the run they don't believe in stopping the run unless it's against the Ravens which makes no sense whatsoever but they went out there and they literally are just a bad they were a bad matchup for the Chiefs Number one, Christian McCaffrey is coming out of the backfield. Cody, our linebackers are slow. They're not very good at covering good players like Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Yeah, they're not. Check down Charlie, a.k.a. Teddy Bridgewater, walked into Arrowhead with his new toy in Christian McCaffrey, who hasn't played a game since, I think, week two. And they checked it down and ran the ball pretty much all the way up and down the field that first drive. I mean, they could do pretty much whatever they wanted to do. They did that the first two drives. Yeah, the Chiefs de- – that seems to kind of be the token of the Chiefs' defense is that we can only stop the run in big games. 
you know, I think the early season last year, you know, up probably weeks one through nine, Caleb, we couldn't stop anything. Couldn't we stop couldn't a nosebleed. Stop a cold. And then after week 10, we kind of seemed to pick up some momentum and find our stride. And then in those last three playoff games, obviously besides the Texans where everybody played bad for the first quarter, uh, we were shutting teams down. Completely so I think shutting this might teams be down. Just, yeah, I think this might be one of our just regular season games, one of those games like last year, middle of the season. You got a three and five Carolina team coming in. You don't think they're very good you know, based on their record and then personnel-wise, you're just not sure, you know, Christian McCaffrey coming off injury as to what their offense is going to be. But, yeah, they they did away with our defense for sure. Yeah, and the thing that I thought was most interesting about that was just the amount of plays they had dialed or they had dialed up to counter what the Chiefs do well, and that's blitz and pass rush. Um, there were people around us who I heard yelling at the pass rushers. Well, when Teddy Bridgewater is getting rid of the ball in under two seconds yeah. and checking it down, what what do you want Chris Jones and Frank Clark to do about that? Because we saw when Teddy Bridgewater had to hold the ball for a little bit, those guys got back there and created pressures on those plays. But when he's just simply throwing like little option routes, little flat routes out of the backfield to his running backs, there's nothing you can do about it. I thought the Chiefs yeah, the second only- – Oh, go ahead. The only plays that really come to mind where he actually threw the ball down the field is where he threw that 50-50 ball to Robbie Anderson on the sideline and Tyron Matthew was covering him. I'm seeing a lot of Tyron Matthew slander this week, Caleb. Well, Cody, let's get into the secondary real quick. How did you think – what grade would you give the secondary for this performance? Because I don't know if I could give them a very high score. This Outside of Bashad Breeland, I thought Bashad Breeland played a pretty good football game. Yeah, Brashad Bidlin's playing pretty well. It's hard for me to give our secondary a bad grade just because I don't feel that they were challenged. Um, You know, in the NFL, and this is just talking with NFL defensive backs, everything's to protect everything downfield. So when Teddy Bridgewater is just dumping it to the back, dumping hitches, dumping curls, dumping crossing routes, the idea is that you're going to give all that up and and make them do it down the whole field. You're going to give credit to Carolina. They didn't have a turnover the entire game. Um, so they, they played pretty well, probably their best game that they've played. Now, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that's ready to say that the Chiefs have a bad defense. Um, up to this week and prior to this week, I think four out of our last five games, we allowed under 10 points. Very true. And by no stretch of the imagination do we think the Chiefs have a bad defense. This just might not have been an ideal matchup because the Chiefs' defensive identity is rush the passer, take do not in any circumstances give up the deep ball and try to get turnovers. And Carolina is a very somewhat conservative offense that likes to check the ball down and likes to put you into bad matchups. And also there were a couple of catches that Carolina had to make in the game, like some of those wild catches that uh, – McCaffrey made and then I think Curtis Samuels and uh Robbie Anderson made like some of those diving grabs like those are catches those guys are only going to make this game just because they're going against the defending champions and that's something I think people have to take into consideration that being said I thought that the linebackers were picked on for most of the day just given their inability to cover out of the backfield which is very surprising because early in the game 
Willie Gay made a couple of really nice stops, and he actually made a couple of nice plays on the ball and pass coverage, and we only saw him out there for 15 snaps. What do you think was up with that? Because that's really been the big question of Chiefs fans this week is why do we keep having like a guy like Ben Neiman out on the field when Willie Gay just seems to get it when he's out there? He seems to make a play even if he might not know what's going on. Whereas Neiman knows what's going on, but he can't make a play just because he's not an athletic enough player. Right. Yeah, Caleb, but to touch on your point, I think that's pretty much what Carolina did. They attacked the worst part of our defense, which is the linebackers. Now, we had talked before the game, and my plan was fully that if it wasn't Willie Gay, it'd be Daniel Sorensen that would come down and play a lot of man-to-man on the back. I was expecting us to be in a lot of dime packages. And the way Carolina ran the ball, while they only had 104 rushing yards, they rushed the ball for 4.3 yards in attempt. So I was I was expecting our their backs to be man to man on you know Daniel Sorensen or Willie Gay, who are better athletes. To to your answer your question, I'm not 100 percent sure why you know Willie Gay only saw 15 or 16 steps this week. Pro Football Focus graded this out as his best game he's played. So when you draft a guy as good as an athlete as Willie Gay and He's the highest graded pass rusher in college or highest pass coverage grade coming out of college for linebackers. You would think that him playing man-to-man on running backs or him at least being involved in the pass game would be, you know, more consistent than it is. I I am truly baffled as to why we can't seem to get him on the field more. You know, do you think this might be kind of a Chiefs take what I'm about to say, but how much more do you think the Chiefs are willing to let Ben Neiman mess up before they're actually comfortable with Willie Gay? Is Willie Gay this far behind the curve that they're not willing to put him in? Or are they or are they like this desperate to have Willie Gay not play right now and have him keep learning? that they're going to have to have a guy like Ben Neiman continue to go in there. When are they going to let the dog off the chain and just let him go out there and play? Because there was a play, fourth and 15, Ben Neiman could have stepped up and made that stop three yards short of the first down, and he let Tyra, or he let Teddy Bridgewater jump in the air and <laughs> do a big skyward spiral on a play that really if the Chiefs get that stop, they're going down scoring. That's ball game right there. Like, how much more are we going to have to take of Ben Neiman going in here and getting beat week in and week out and consistently us knowing he's not good enough to play? We can all see it. I can see it on the All-22 every week. I know Spags can see it also. Like, what what more do we have to see out of Neiman? But what more does Willie Gay have to do? Does Willie Gay got to become Ray Lewis overnight or something? Does he got to be Bobby Wagner overnight or something? I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, that's a, and that's probably why Chiefs fans are so frustrated because you got to think. Let's just say that we're right in what we think. You know, earlier in the season that you know maybe Willie Gay is not getting the defense. Is that really so bad that he would play at a lower level than Ben Neiman is? I mean, Caleb, I can't think of one play this season where I go, "Wow, Ben Neiman made a really good play there." There's not one time, not even on special teams. So, I I, I have no idea, and I would love if I could at least get a press conference where, you know, we get a question is, you know, why isn't Willie Gay seen more time or something like that? It could be because he's a rookie and maybe the coaches just don't feel like he's ready. But 
from an outsider looking in, it doesn't make any sense that it can't be that much worse than what we put out on the field with Ben Neiman. I don't get it. And speaking of special teams, Ben Neiman has made one special teams player this play this year. And that was when he opened up a block for Byron Pringle. When he opened up a block for Byron Pringle. Caleb, you cut out. You're going to have to say a little more time. Can you hear me? That's Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, I'm good now. Okay. The only play Ben Neiman's made this year was when he made a block for Byron Pringle and Pringle took it to the house. Speaking of special teams, <laughs> number one, Armani Watts, who has been primarily a special teams player, came up and made potentially the biggest play of the game when he swatted that ball away to keep them out of field goal range and to make yeah. the force the Panthers into that long attempt. I was in a Twitter argument with someone who said, well, Armani Watts hasn't panned out. Do you think someone's really not panned out if they have to play behind Teron Matthew, uh, Juan Thornhill, and Dan Sorensen their entire career? No, it's not called not panning out. It's called being buried by death. He's a good special teams player who stepped up. Number two is special teams. Why would we ever go for a block field for a block punt? What is the point of ever, ever going for a block punt when you have Patrick Mahomes? Why? Because the Chiefs go full block on that punt, and it opens up a – play that puts the Chiefs behind I don't get it Dave Tobe to me is getting dangerously close to Bob Sutton levels of territory and I get it the Chiefs the Chiefs defense makes some big the Chiefs special teams makes some big plays time and time again they're starting to give up a lot of big plays number one I don't know what's going on inside Harrison Bucker's brain I don't get it I don't know if his wife cheated on him I don't know what's going on there I, I don't understand, but you look at yeah, the amount Harrison of – Harrison Butker did one of the most amazing things in the NFL and hit 358 yarders back-to-back, and since then he has become questionably a very, very mediocre kicker. You keep going. I just wanted to throw that out there. Since, oh, he's, he's, since he's, he's hit those 50, he's, he's very, very average. Now, and I get it. It might be because, you know, he's sitting here – He's sitting here saying all this stuff about uh, it, it's because he's sitting here. I don't get it. I mean, Bucker stinks. That's pretty much all there is to it right now. You cannot be <laughs> consistently missing field goals, play in and play out. It makes no sense to me. Not even the field goals. I get it. He kicks a lot more than other people, but still, that's unexcusable. I don't get it. It it baffles me consistently. It makes no sense. I don't understand what's going on with it. But the Chiefs, for every great special teams play the Chiefs make, they have 10 bad plays. And why would you ever try to take the ball out of the end zone when you could just knee it? and give it to the guy who's going to end up being the MVP at the end of the season. Yeah, you do bring up a good point as to, you know, why would we go for that block kick? Normally teams in the NFL go for block kicks because they don't trust their offense or, you know, what perfect scenario in my mind is when the Patriots were in that tight game with uh, 
God, I can't remember. It was a primetime game. They were in a close game with a team that, you know, normally the Patriots wouldn't be in a close game with, and they had to go for the block kick because Jared Stidham didn't look like he could move the ball at all. So normally that's when you would go for a block kick is just a desperation to try to make a big play in a crucial part of the game. But when you've got 15 on your team and the load of weapons and as high as level as Travis Kelsey's playing at, and you got Le'Veon Bell and Clyde, You've got all these weapons. It makes no sense to to go for that. In my eyes, I think it was Dave Tobe trying to put a stamp. Uh, for the most part this year, I think our special teams have played fairly well. And for the last five years, probably, we've been known to have one of the better special teams as a unit in the NFL. So maybe he was trying to put his stamp on that. Um, but, again, I don't, I don't see a real reason as to why we would need to, especially when we, uh, we got the MVP back there. At least leading yeah. candidate for the MVP. Because 15 plus 87 plus 10, that equals win in my book. And let it be known that the Chiefs, who have shown in past weeks that they might want to come out and try to run the football a little bit, they uh, there was none of that this week. They only attempted nine rushes, four with uh, – four with Le'Veon, five with Clyde, and it was pretty much just the Air Mahomes show out there all week. Started off a little rough in a couple of patches, and then, you know, you can always stop them for so long, and that was literally all Carolina could do, especially with that young secondary. They got attacked. They got mauled. They started out playing a lot of zone early, and by the end of the game, they had switched to man. Travis Kelsey killed their zone. Tyreek Hill killed them with short passes. By the end of the game, they (laughs) were so desperate, as he always does. And by the end of the game, they were so desperate to get into – to get a stop to win. They gambled and they went man, and Tyreek burned them. Not once, but twice, late in the game on the same drive, back-to-back plays. Mahomes just knew where he was going to be. And I saw an interesting route that I have not seen in quite a while. They ran two deep over routes that make that X over the middle. They ran one with McColl and one with Tyreek. That was one of the two offensive concepts I saw this game that I've yet to see on film for the Chiefs. Now, the other one was Travis Kelsey kind of running that little stutter move that he had a massive play on. Cody, do you think the Chiefs have – even still in week nine of this past week, been holding some things back from the rest of the league? Yes, I do. I I think that's primarily because there's only been really one game where you feel like, you know, that's kind of a game that they had Mark and that's back in Baltimore. So I I do feel like that our offense is, is pretty flavor. Caleb, I think we held plays back all the way last year until the Super Bowl. You talk about that play that went all the way back to the Rose Bowl in 1946 at the goal line that ended us putting us at like the one. Um, you talk about jet chip loss, which was a concept that I don't think we saw at all last year. So, yeah, I do. I think, you know, we're talking about Andy Reid. Does Andy Reid really have everything shown that he's going to have put into the offense by week 16? Absolutely not. He never does. So, I, I, I do. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point you bring up. And when you think about just how much talent the Chiefs have, because what have the Chiefs done the last three football games they've played? They've just out-talented people. They've just been better 
than the next person on the field. They've just been better than the guy against them. And they get into a close game versus Carolina, and they can still just out-talent them, but they start to show some things. This offense is looking dangerous. Um, one thing I – one observation I made was Austin Ryder got the start after three weeks of it being Daniel Kilgore. Now, this is interesting because Daniel Kilgore has been a very good run blocker. He's been very solid on that front. Austin Ryder's primarily a good pass protector, but an average run defender. I think that maybe Andy Reid started Ryder at center this week because he knew it was going to be a passing-heavy attack. I would keep an eye if the Chiefs change up who their center is week to week based on game plan. That would be something very interesting to see. And it could really become a tell for some teams. But this week, was we're talking about the Chiefs' run game. They didn't run in hardly any motion overs with Tyreek. They didn't run hardly anything, any special runs. Where we did see the motion plays, though, was down in the red zone. And they ran probably one of the most creative plays I've ever seen with Patrick Mahomes ma making himself the motion man running back in like he's running a classical sprint out to the left and then he boots back to the right and the cornerback on Demarcus Robinson was so unfazed all he had was so confused I mean all he had to do was run the football or all he had to do was just run a basic slant to the goal line to the goal post and Mahomes put it on him Cody that was one of the most creative plays I've ever seen I'm glad we got to be there to see it because that's just another iconic Mahomes play and we got to be there to see it in person that is kind of an iconic Mahomes play um to touch on that you know as as cool as it was to see in person and as you know what the fuck just happened kind of moment it was that simple of a concept any NFL shouldn't give up touchdowns so I Caleb, truthfully, I don't know how that play worked. I mean, I do know how the play worked. It was just bad defense by the Carolina Panthers. But to me, when I see the Chiefs front something like that, you know, this, I guess, well, we're getting week nine. So, but this late, early in the season, midseason in the game, that probably doesn't mean a whole lot as far as playoffs and everything. Just to me is the Chiefs just having fun. Just something that Andy Reid wanted to put in because he thought that Mahomes and the offense would enjoy it, which is a good sign going forward. They would enjoy it. Another they, another use of the motion in the uh, red zone was on the touchdown pass to Clyde. They uh, Mahomes fakes the handoff. Hill comes over in motion, and the defense, they have to respect Hill, and they have to freeze on that play to be able to go back and get ready for the reverse. And Mahomes just threw his arm out and kept running through it to Clyde. One of the things I think people don't understand – I say this, I think that Tyree Kill is the offensive player of the year right now for the Chiefs. The MVP is Patrick Mahomes for Chiefs team in general. I know a lot of people would argue Travis Kelsey because he's awesome. But Tyree Kill has opened up the run game just off of the fact that teams have to respect his ability to be able to reverse back around. And even on a goal line play like that where it's a bootleg, he – gives Mahomes the ability he needs to be able to run past the man off the edge and then fire a quick little pass to Clyde because the defense thought they had to come up to be able to stop reverse. What do you make of that take right there, though? 
Uh, I would agree. I think the Chiefs offensive player of the year for me is just Travis Kelsey. He's third in the NFL in receiving yards as a tight end. Um, he's going to go over 1,000 yards this year pretty easily. In my opinion, the way his blocking's improved, I don't think there's a question anymore that he is the best tight end, tight end in football, especially with George Kittle being out. Um, but it's, it's hard to disagree with the impact that Tyreek Hill has on an offense like the Chiefs just because the creativeness, the escapability, and the arm talent of Mahomes that at any time, at any angle, any place, anywhere, in the barbershop, on the highway, Mahomes can sling it for, you know, 40, 50 yards down the field. And Tyreek Hill being probably the best deep threat in football, not just considering his speed, but ball skills and is just talent as a football player. Um, I think he provides a lot of value that a lot of people don't see, meaning that if Tyreek Hill was on another team, I don't think that he poses the threat necessarily. You don't think he poses the threat? Well, the same threat. There is a person leading the National Football League and receiving touchdowns with nine, and that is Tyree Kill. And we've that seen him do it in a multitude of different ways. His evolution as a player has gone from the when people used to tell me he's just the next Tavon Austin to when people told me he's just a oh, punt God. returner. To now when people tell me, oh, he's just going to be a deep threat, to when people, they're running out of things to say at this point. What is he? Is he just going to be the gadget? <laughs> what is he at this point? He, he might just be the best receiver in professional football at this point, and I think he makes a very strong case for that just because of all the things he can do. Travis Kelsey, though, he could legitimately lead the, lead, lead the league in receiving yards at the end of the season as a tight end, and I don't think that's ever been done. At this point, he looks like he is going to be challenging Tony Gonzalez for the greatest tight end of all time. He might never get to there statistically, but as we all know, throw a couple of rings on those fingers, and that helps everything. Right. And with everybody coming back, it's hard to think that it's not in the realm of possibilities. But, no, I don't think anybody when we drafted Tyreek Hill thought he was going to be this good. Um, you know, he had his off-the-field issues, which I question, you know, the reliableness of his girlfriend and the comments that she's made. And just the character of Tyreek Hill, what we see him do in just the Kansas City community and everything. But I, I don't think anybody could see him being as good as he was. I'm trying to think of an NFL player that I would compare him to. But the reality is I think you compare everybody to him. Um, the closest that comes into my mind is like a Deshaun Jackson type but Deshaun Jackson isn't near the quality receiver that Tyreek Hill is is he the best receiver in the NFL I think Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins Devontae Adams would have something to say but he's easily top five I think he's probably in the top three uh, but I fully expected him to have a big game this week when we were driving to the game you know putting a couple brewskis back with the boys I told you I fully Throwing expected him back. Tyreek Hill to have a <laughs> I fully expected Tyreek Hill to have a big game. This is a, a Panthers sec secondary that went out and drafted a rookie in Jeremy Chin out of a small Division One college. So we didn't really know how good he would be. He's had a strong, you know, rookie season. Um, Dante Jackson, I think he's a solid corner. But they signed Justin Burroughs from Cleveland to a two-year deal and then Trey Boston. Both of those, I mean, a lot of people listening to this, they probably have no idea who those players are. Now I do because, right. you know. I'm a secondary guy. So 
this just kind of felt like one of those games that Tyreek Hill would bust open. Now, I told you that he'd probably have somewhere between 150 to 200 yards and multiple touchdowns. He had multiple touchdowns and over 100 yards, but it's hard to disagree with you. He is a hell of a player. Yeah, and, you know, flashing back to what you said about having a few brews on the way to the game, it was such a weird atmosphere there for the whole COVID situation, but I thought it was very well handled. The funny thing about the game was I ended up running into a bunch of people I knew there inadvertently, which I always think is fun, especially when I go with a big Chiefs fan such as yourself, and they kind of get to see us in our natural Chiefs atmosphere. And, you know, they're there like regular, normal human beings, and we're there sitting yelling our asses off on every down, and I had an absolute (laughs) blast. Um, We got to show your boy Cam what it was like to be a Chiefs fan and what it means when it is third down. And, (laughs) you know, it was an overall great time. This has been an overall great episode. No Chiefs takes this week. But, Cody, next week we're going to war. Going to war, baby. We're going to war. Because, number one, next week we're going to have a little uh, midseason awards show, even though it's a little past midseason. We'll get to watch some football this week and decipher what's going on around the league so everything will be okay. But next week, I think in the I think we've forgotten what it means to be Raider week and what it means to hate the now point. Las Vegas Raiders. I think in the past few seasons, Chiefs fans, we have forgotten what it means. So you know what? Next week, all week, every day, Raider hate week. It's going to be an all-week affair because on Sunday Night Football, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to kick off at the Death Star in Las Vegas, Nevada. And you want to know what? I think the Chiefs go in there like the Millennium Falcon and blow it up. But, Cody, I've had a good one, but all that Raider talk is for a different episode. It's been a good one. Bad day to be a Raider. Cody. It is going to be a bad day to be a Las Vegas Raider on November 22nd. 11 days. Mark your calendars. Everybody, this has been a production of Arrowhead Live and Border Fuel Sports Media. This has been the Chiefs Take Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James, signing out. As always, go Chiefs.